Hi everyone, this is Afsar from Gameberry Labs. Uh, I am the co-founder of Gameberry. Are you listening to this podcast while doing your daily commute on a metro or a bus? Look around you for a minute. I'm sure you will find quite a few people playing games on their smartphones. In many ways, you can say that the gaming industry was responsible for many of the tech revolutions we see today. In fact, one of the first jobs held by young Steve Jobs was at Atari, the gaming company. Most people discovered a love for computers through gaming, and it was gaming companies that started the original trend of charging people for software. One of the winners in the mobile casual gaming sector is a company called Gameberry Labs. Gameberry Labs is a bootstrapped startup which has built up an enviable global business from India. In this episode of the Founder Thesis podcast, your host Akshay Dutt talks to Afsar Ahmed about the business of gaming and how they built up a massive gaming company without raising any external capital. To hear more such industry deep dives, subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming app. So what got you interested in gaming? I have played games a lot, especially uh, the TV video games that were there long back, right? I would not consider myself as a gamer gamer uh, because I've seen true gamers. Before uh, joining college, uh, I had this tendency of going back to building and creating things is what I remember, which was adding just more meaning to life, more or less. And I enjoyed that process. And I think pretty much that is the uh, reason why I went into gaming eventually and have stick to gaming and building games. Uh-huh. So uh, you are an IIT Kharagpur engineer after which you worked at Capillary, uh, all of which is like fairly on the other side, you know, from designing to like that creative designing to like more analytics. I mean, were you feeling that itch to do something more creative and hence you quit capillary to start something or you know tell me what happened around that time one of the characteristic that i have is basically when i look at people who are doing something different and uh, interesting i start to observe them and try to imitate more or less so that's how uh, i started learning about how to build websites so i started learning programming right uh, building few websites couple of facebook pages some concepts here and there for the last three years of Kadakpur, uh, which helped me get into capillary eventually because they felt Kim, I might add value to capillary and I joined capillary as a SD. By the end of my tenure at capillary, I felt ki I wanted to do more things, but uh, probably the, the profile would not allow me to do that. So me with my friend Jani, uh, he's, he's founded local uh, and Govind was back then, who's the current co-founder, he was back there in college. So he was he passed out in 2014. Uh, he passed out in 2013. So so we decided to move out, uh, quit our jobs. We were pretty much clueless back then. But we had an idea of creating a social blogging platform. Uh, so so we got together. We said, okay, let us build something uh, in this. We moved to Hyderabad for... Uh, for, for um, there was a investor who was interested in us so we moved to Hyderabad for him uh, but quickly realized that that was not going to work out for us so 
we spent some time in hyderabad uh, but again this social blogging platform was pretty much away from what we were uh, we thought could be a good product market fit uh, so quickly realized it uh, but we were out of jobs so uh, th- then the idea was uh, okay let's move on to something which will get funding which is ironic because you have never is funds for gameberry <laughs> absolutely plus interestingly if you look at it, it's not the right approach to uh, entrepreneurship altogether and uh, as such right so so that's what we did we we looked out and thought okay what is working in us what would be interesting in india and we stumbled upon blue apron uh, and and we were fascinated by the idea that okay if people would like to cook at home let them let's give them exact ingredients in the exact quantity and they would love it so we started hasteespoon.com uh, in april of 2014 so did a run for 3 months in hyderabad then realized the hyderabad is not the right place for getting funding so we moved to bangalore back to bangalore uh, spent again 3 to 4 months over here um, we were very close to uh, to a funding round but then uh, luckily they saw what was wrong with us back then and i feel uh, blessed because of that ki okay that thing happened with me and i eventually moved out uh, we both moved out me jani and and govind also said okay we will not do this we will do go back and reevaluate what we want to do in life and then probably do something in future so what what, what was wrong with half teaspoon uh, and that idea i don't think uh, it was ready for the market first second thing that i learned was uh, it was operation heavy and operation heavy on ground operation heavy and it was not something which was uh, catering to my appetite of creativity and uh, making things uh, because we you were essentially either building an basic app or a basic website and your real business was on the delivery side and logistic side right yeah, yeah. essentially it's a hyper logistics company yeah right absolutely and but when i we, we all quit after spoon what happened is uh, i was pretty much on square zero okay what do i do now from here onwards so then then gaming was something that uh, that was booming back then uh, booming as in there were a lot of new uh, games coming out in the app store play store and people were getting addicted to it people were playing it so as social gaming was like really taking off at that time right right absolutely so that that's why again it got my attention and focus more on product building is what uh, i realized uh, so so i started uh, in 2015 january i started working on a game called rocket romeo uh, there was a character which was ch- chicken look like character uh, but the character was having a propeller at the back uh, falling from the sky just to reach the uh, juliet um, and there was hurdles all in between and you would tap to propel him upwards so that his speed is not so high that you would hit the hurdle i it took me 45 days to build that game from scratch and it was so much fun uh, that i just could not think anything else after that i just thought ki okay gaming is something that will truly belong where i truly belong and that has been uh, my journey towards gaming game very started after my experience at moonfrog so after building rocket romeo uh, moonfrog got a series a funding back then in 2015 uh, and pushpesh uh, was my college se- senior uh, he was also from iit kharagpur so uh, he reached out to me uh, reading one of my blogs uh, uh, where i wrote about my process of building that game rocket romeo so he liked it a lot so he said ki join us and we'll see what we can build together 
So I joined them, uh, spent a good amount of time over there, one and a half, two years, uh, really great experience. Uh, when I joined them, I really liked that place. So I called Govind as well. Okay, okay why don't you join as well? Uh, and we'll learn together how to build games and what to what do games too. Uh, and eventually, at the end of 2016, uh, I started seeing this trend uh, where uh, I realized Maybe Ludo is a game which people want to play. It was not such a big market that a big company would start away, jump into it. Uh, and it was good enough for us to jump. So, so we thought, okay, let's let's move out. Let's start building Ludo. And that's how Gameberry started. So uh, did you distribute Rocket from you? I did. I did. Uh, I launched it on Play Store uh, and promoted it through blogs. But it was difficult uh, to get. So... That was one of the places where I realized that uh, distribution is a problem in gaming for sure. Um, and probably when we started Gameberry, the first thing that we were very clear that we will not spend money on marketing because that's a um, sink, huge sink, and you will still be in a battle of PNL. Um, so we would go after games which are organically being demanded. So Ludo was organically being demanded by people and then when a game which was organic in nature, if you build it really, really well, we were sure that we would have a good product market. How do you know Ludo was demanded? Uh, did you have some data? Like did you look at some Google Trends? or Right, right. Google Trends plus similar web was one of the softwares uh, that, that I was using. Okay. So what were the options for you to distribute? Uh, one is, of course, an Android app. Uh, but uh, what about like, I believe Zynga did a lot of its distribution through Facebook and all. Were those also options in front of you at that time? Because I think today nobody talks of Facebook's uh, games. Uh, Absolutely. Back then also, I think Facebook gaming was pretty much dead. Um, most of the developers were focused on mobile. Mm -hmm. 2017, yes. Why did uh, Facebook gaming die? I think mobile experience is a lot more than what a web HTML5 game can do. So the engagement... Engagement, retention and engagement is really, really high on mobile. Uh, and the experience is a lot more immersive uh, compared to Facebook. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, what did Ludo look like? Absolutely. So, we were very clear that we have to give a multiplayer experience. We wanted people to connect with other folks. So, we were the first game to provide chat, in-game chat, very WhatsApp-like chat that you're playing a game and then you are going on a chat window to uh, express yourself, talk to the other person. Uh, we had this option where if, let's say, if you get delayed while typing, uh, so you will not be thrown out of the game. Generally, what games do, they, they'll they give you three turns where you can miss the turn, uh, miss the timer, and then they'll throw you out of the game. So our principle was that when you are playing an online game with somebody, you have all the time in the world. Uh, we will create a timer for you, but then will create an experience so that you can play with the other, talk to the other person very easily. You can send some, some fast chats to tease the other person again. Uh, and, and the chatting option was phenomenal. Like it's super smooth uh, experience. The third, the one interesting thing that we did was while you were chatting and engaged in your chat, you would miss out a turn multiple times, right? So we created this auto mode where the computer takes over if you are busy chatting. So I've seen people keeping the phone aside, doing their daily work, looking at their game, then coming back into the game. And there was no experience like this. In, in the world, nobody has done this. 
And uh, what was the uh, way to monetize it? Did you have monetization from beginning or? Yes, we did. We did. We did. And and I, I think that is one of the key few of the top innovations that we have done. Uh, so ideally, Ludo market, if you look at the current space also, uh, board games monetize 80-20. 80% ads, 20% IAP. IAP is basically your in-app purchases. So user is buying something inside the game uh, for advantage, for anything. So... So we started thinking, okay, how do you monetize people if you're not showing ads? And because nobody has done in the boards game market. Then one day while we were developing, um, we were playing a playing game together. We we both, me and Govin, and we were, one of us got triple six. And, and it felt like, damn, if I had an option of re-rolling it, then I would just get rid of the six. So we thought, why not create it as, as, a, uh, as a feature inside the game, where if the third six is coming, you have an option of re-rolling your dice uh, and that will cost something which is in the game but uh, will allow the user to re-roll it. So it is giving, as a player, it is giving me an advantage that I have an extra role while playing the game. Uh, but then it was fine. It was very small of a game changer for the whole game. So so Govin came back and said, okay, why only on the third six? Why not every turn? And I said, okay, okay, why not? Like, maybe. <laughs> and then, then we thought, uh, we thought, ki, okay, this sounds good. Uh, if people don't like it, we will remove it from the game. Uh, otherwise, we'll just go ahead with it. Uh, and we launched it. And people, nobody said anything about it. So that is where our learning was that if a lot of time it is on our, in our head that maybe the user will feel this and that and this and that. But maybe this is what they want at times. Uh, because that's what we felt while playing the game. So, so we gave this option where you can re-roll your dice uh, at, and it costs you certain gems, uh, and that gems eventually you have to buy, uh, which is driving the seventy percent of the revenue of the game. And thirty percent comes from where? Thirty percent is there is a uh, stake which is going on, which is the coins in the game. Uh, so when you are playing with me, I we also wanted you to be serious about it, not just quit the game at times when you don't like it. So we wanted to introduce some kind of blocker to people. So you, we both will put 500 coins as, as stake and the winner takes all. Uh, and these coins are just virtual currency. You'll not get back or get anything. It, it just keeps on building. So you start with 500, then you move to 2,000, you move to 10,000, then you move to 50,000. And then you mentioned 10 million, 20 million, something like that. So it's a it's a feeling that, that you are gambling, but then... You are playing a serious game. That's that risk and reward is what we wanted to attach to it. But how did that uh, give you monetization? Because you said people can't withdraw it and it's not real money. It's just uh, fictional coins. Uh, how did you make money from that? So you will eventually, sometimes users will run out of those coins because you will lose, right? You, when you run out of it, uh, you want to play game the game because you are liking the rest of the experience of it, right? Uh, and sometimes people even buy 10 million packs because they feel that I don't want to play lower games. And why do I don't why why I don't want to play lower bed games is because I want to be matched with a top class player. So that is how it differentiates between the level of players as well. So it makes the whole gaming experience a lot more worthy for you. So it is the experience that you're looking for and what you're paying for. 
interesting. Uh, so everybody would start with like 500 coins and then they would earn uh, and move up and then be able to bet more. And the more they are able to bet, the better is the quality of opponents that they are meeting because opponents should have already moved up to be able to play like a 10,000 coin game. Okay, 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 interesting. So it automatically separates them out, makes them make it makes it interesting for them. Interesting fact I'll tell you that people, even though sometimes they have more coins, they would like to play at the lower bet. And and why do they do it? Because they want to get matched with interesting people rather than playing a game with an expert. They are looking for a casual ludo game, but they want more variety of players to be matched against. Most users will have 500 coins, so they get a wide spectrum of players in that region. And you can uh, choose to play with your friends or it is a random matching? Absolutely. I think there are multiple options. You can actually play two-player game. You can play four-player game. You can play with your friends. You can play with two friends, three friends, four friends. Uh, you can team up. Team up was the first team up built uh, in Ludo space by us. So you and me will be a team and once you take your tokens inside, your dices can help me move my tokens inside as well. So that is how a team will perform. And you can strategize with your teammate, talk to the teammate separately and send him a message, uh, things like that. So it becomes very interesting. There are, I've seen people pairing up, uh, generally couples playing team up because they, they are very excited about playing with their husband or their friends or their boyfriend. So they like to, uh, people who are in relationship, they would like to go get on a call and then start a Ludo game, be talking with each other, but play a Ludo game on the side. So you guys quit your job uh, when you started building Ludo? Yes, yes, yes. And uh, how, how did it go then? Like, you know, uh, when did you launch? What kind of numbers did you start seeing? When did it uh, become enough to uh, reinvest in the business and grow the business? Right. So we left in 20, 20th January 2017 was the last uh, day we were working over there. And after that, uh, in, in a one and a half month span of time, we released the first version of it, uh, which had just basic two player coming together, getting matched. It took us another two, three months to develop features like private table, uh, the undo mechanics, the team up, uh, team up systems, uh, the basic leaderboard. So it, it took us a good amount of time, three to four months to come up with all these features together. But within two months, I, we were starting to see 500 downloads, 600 downloads every day coming to us, uh, which like boosted our confidence like heavily because people were organically coming. They were liking the game. We were talking to them, trying to understand what do they want more, things like that. We were not looking at data interestingly back then. And I again feel sometimes it is bliss in disguise because at, we, were, we were so focused on get, giving them the right experience that we were just reading what they are saying and just abiding by what people said in reviews. Which, like the app uh, reviews on Play Store, comments and reviews. Huh? Okay. Yes. So, this, if they said Ki, this particular experience I don't did not like, the next release will get that fixed. 100% chance. So there was huge loyalty from people because they knew that that they, these guys are going to fix it. Uh, in April, I think it was 10th April or 12th April, Govin was working on some server-side uh, uh, code and accidentally he deleted the whole database. 
and we lost all our users that day right and it was and it we had around 10 12000 dau the back then um, and all of them started complaining that then uh, i'm not able to see my account my coins are gone my gems are gone what is happening and i was looking at the emails and i was thinking here what has happened so i checked go with govin and when what has happened they said i don't know so he checked his terminal and it says ki okay I have accidentally deleted the whole database, but luckily because the people be, people were so loyal to us, they they forgot all the what what has happened to them. They went back to playing their game, logged in again, started doing things again, and within within six months, we were viral in Pakistan. We we were everybody in Pakistan was playing Ludo Star. Uh, when Pakistan was playing so much Saudi Arabia, because there's a huge immigrant. from pakistan to saudi arabia so the shopkeepers workers in in shops they were they started playing ludo star uh, the residents of saudi saudi arabia the they started seeing what is happening like everybody is playing this game called ludo star so they started playing ludo star uh, and and we were like that was a tip peak time that we had in our uh, dau journey uh, revenue wise we are in our peak right now but uh, that was the dau peak that we had back then because that virality was super high which went back on, uh, to a lower numbers uh, back then in covid again it started growing a faster a picked up again and then settled to a new baseline so that was our curve for ludo parchisi again had a very similar journey uh, pretty much the same game what, what was the peak dau at that time when it went viral in saudi we had 6 million dau in in ludo back then and now we have 1.5 million dau so that was that was too high for us back then and but you had enough money for the server costs right right absolutely after 6 months we realized that this is going it's getting out of control for a two person business to be there that is where we started thinking okay how do we bring people kisko bulana hai kahan se lana hai so that that was the time when uh, we had peak traffic and then we started hiring building the team uh and when we were not sure how we want to build yeah tell me about that like how did you figure out how to build a team first first few people we were very skeptical because we were not sure how to do that uh, we did not have investors to advise in a certain sense so so it was pretty much network hiring that we did we brought in pradeep pradeep uh, is heading marketing right now and data from at gameberry he we brought him in he was our roommate but he was working at hype games so so we asked him to join us uh, and then manish from it kadakpur again uh, he he joined us uh, as a fourth person and then we hired started hiring five six folks few customer support folks few artists uh, started building with whatever understanding we had we started hiring folks to see where this goes so we were very slow at in the first two years we were very slow with hiring because we were not sure who do we want how big do we want to go what do we want to do from this and things like that but we were doing pretty well why why did you need the customer support because we wanted somebody to take care of the emails that was flooding like it, there were so many emails coming so many uh, queries on facebook we wanted them to be there so uh, tell me about parchisi when did you start thinking of second game so interestingly it started with ludo itself because when we were researching on ludo uh, uh, we we found this game called uh, called parchisi in spain one of the companies had built a spanish company and we again did not like the game we thought ki this is a crap 
game that is present. So this is again the same thing like a traditional game which was made digital. Absolutely, exactly the same, exactly the same. And it was pretty much Ludo, but it had two dices and the spots of movement were higher than Ludo. Certain rules were different, uh, and we did not knew how to play Parcheesi. So we went online, read public articles where rules of Parcheesi were mentioned, things like that. And we understood, okay, what do we want from this game? And we knew that we would build a good Ludo experience. So we knew we can build a better Parcheesi experience as well. But we did not. And the third point was that it was, the market was Spain. So we knew that this is a country which will monetize better than Indian and uh, Pakistani diaspora. So then we went back and thought, okay, we'll create an engine kind of a setup where if you want Ludo, you can create Ludo. If you want Parcheesi, you can create Parcheesi. Uh, and everything else will be same. We'll stick to that basics that everything has to be the same and we'll not pay attention what is to create a difference between both the games. So that is how we minimized our efforts uh, and created both these games. Parcheesi took one year to... So you're saying that you created Parcheesi within that same app? Like a person downloading the app could choose which mode he wants to play? No, 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 no. The person would not know. So as a user, it is Ludo or Parcheesi. But when creating a uh, build or the final upload build, you you have that or you add that option of choosing uh, which game build you are creating. Okay. Oh, that's very nice. So that way, any upgrades to one game are automatically getting upgraded in the other game. Also, whatever monetization engine you want to tweak, whatever you want to tweak is tweaking is getting tweaked in both games together. Right. And 2017, I look at how much downloads Parcheesi was getting back then. So the download was not that huge. But it was on top 50 charts of Spain. So that is why it was in our attention that it is some doing something and people want it. Uh, interestingly, that category grew pretty big because of us. Uh, because the experience was so good. People who were playing Parcheesi offline, they started playing Parcheesi online. Uh, invite started inviting their friends. If you go to our Instagram page, you'll see 1.3 million subscriber followers over there. Uh, they will keep sharing their stories, birthday stories where they have cake of Parcheesi star. We are a big fan of it. So, and it grew from Spain to Morocco because Morocco, North Morocco is heavily influenced by Spain. Um, so it started growing in Morocco. It's People in Brazil started playing Parcheesi. People in uh, Panama, Venezuela, Dominion Republic, Colombia. And right now, Colombia is the biggest market in terms of DAU for Parcheesi. Okay, okay. And uh, when did you launch Parcheesi then? Parcheesi was... So it was so easy for us that it was just a week's delay between both the releases. So anything that we are building for Ludo, the release will come out for Parcheesi within a week's time. That was the approach. And then by the end of that year, it started growing very heavily in Spain. So it took longer than Ludo, but even it, that game has grown. And right now it has like 2.5 million daily activity. Wow. So right now it's bigger than Ludo. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. And uh, uh, did it start monetizing also in year one? Uh, Parcheesi? Or... Same, same. It, it, it did exactly what we anticipated. And because it was Spain, so the monetization was a lot more better. But interestingly, Ludo had Saudi Arabia and MENA market. So that was also doing pretty well for us. How much revenue did you do in year one then? It's around 10-11 million is what we did. 
in the first year. Rupees or dollars? Dollars. Wow. Incredible. Ten million dollars in year one is amazing. Okay. There would be a place or cut in it, or this is after the place or tax? No, no. This 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 is like the total revenue I'm talking about. Uh, there will be a good thirty five percent cut that place or will take things like that. So that will was there. But we were not doing marketing back then. Not much employee cost, so it was all profit to us. Oh, amazing, amazing. Okay. So uh, tell me the journey from this. Like the, you have had a pretty strong year one. Uh, what what was on your mind then by the time you were entering year two? By the time year two, that whole buzz had already gone <laughs> because uh, uh, the virality stays for a certain time and then it decays. But then you would not see that steep curve that was week on week we were seeing back in 2017. So instead of focusing on Ludo and Parsi more and building team around that, we thought, okay, okay this game, these games are doing good. Let us build another game. So we started building a game called Monopoly. Uh, bankrupt, uh, and it was monopoly created into a digital form again. Six eight months we were building that game itself, and then Ludo and Parsi we were doing slight bit of changes, fixing things here and there, and we did not know okay what to do from here onwards. So, but that whole journey of building bankrupt and looking into data it unlocked a lot of things for us. It started giving us that product inside, that marketing inside, how to grow things. So we started applying those things in Ludo, looking back at data, and making changes to it. And we realized that okay, now these two games are not just saturating. The degrowth is not in such a way that it will go back to a very bad number. It has saturated to a good number. So that means that uh, people are not going to leave it. In 2018 end, we were very clear that we want to build a big team for Ludo Parsi. We started hiring first PMs for ad in 2019. January uh, started looking into data analyst, lot more artists, UX designers, game designers. So that that's where we started our focus and very quickly moved to a size of around 30, 40 people in 2019. What about bankrupt? Bankrupt, we closed it because there were retention problems compared to what we were seeing in Ludo Party. Retention, especially D30 retention. Uh, Monopoly was a very long game. So we created a version where uh, where you could complete your business game in just 30-40 minutes. So it was a lot more game design inclined towards converging very quickly, which was not real property trading experience that people get on board games. And it had good D7, D31 retention, but not great D30 retention. D7 is like people who continue to play after 7 days. D30 is... People who continue to play after 30 days. Right. After installing the app, uh, these are the retention numbers that you look at. Okay. So people were trying it for novelty, but they were not sticking around. So we closed that game. Uh, team size went around 35. So we had a great 2019 compared to 2000, 2018. 2017 was the best. Uh, we had dipped from there onwards, 2018-19. Like the revenue also dipped because users would have come down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So 2019, we were doing better than 2018 because now we know new how to move the revenue levers, how to move the engagement levers. We understood how to do that. Can you also help uh, outsiders understand how to improve revenue levers in a game? What are the ways in which you do that? So, I mean, the best way to understand or help your revenue, increase your revenue is either you will get new user, new payers in your game or you will increase the payment that people 
peers are doing right now if you have not unlocked the potential amount of money that a peer can give that means there is a huge scope of doing it so it's better to uh, focus on them rather than focusing on converting people to peers so that very simple two metrics that you have to look at so you're saying that you were leaving money on the table the people who were paying people who would have paid more also uh, but you were not clear on that and so the analytics uh, so how did you figure out that they will pay more like by running experiments by increasing the price for these things or what, like very very small experiments uh, um, very simple simple experiments so let's say uh, just looking at the funnel if let's say a person is moving from a lower bed to higher bed uh, ideally you would think okay uh, so our revenue was coming from gems because of selling gems which was the undo mechanics so ideally you would think people would do equal amount of undo at equal all the levels uh, but if you go deeper into it there is a pattern to it people will not do so much undo at lower bet lower stake amounts they would do more at a higher stake amount so if if you look at just this and if you so uh, the first time when we built it uh, the pricing of these undo was flat across bets and we thought okay why do think about so many things right keep it simple same price point everywhere so we were just taking 20 30 gems in a game now when we looked into it we saw that most people are doing undo at a higher bet and if you think from a product angle ideally you should charge more because lot more is at stake right and that is why they are doing that got it got it okay so uh, 2019 how much revenue did you end with like you did 10 million in 17 then right No, no. I, I actually was checking back the number. Ten uh, million is what we did in two thousand eighteen. Two thousand seventeen calendar year, I'm talking about. We did around six six point six million, and two thousand nineteen we did around seven point five million. So, so that was not that great, but uh, but it was actually getting better on month on month revenue basis. So that is why I remember that two thousand nineteen was good for us. Two thousand twenty was fantastic for us because of COVID. When we entered March. Before March, Parcheesi was played around 1.2 million daily active users. End of April, it was played around by nine to ten million daily active users. Wow. Okay. Because people are isolated, and it's a way to connect. Uh, right. Okay. And interestingly, our games were serving that need of connecting with other folks. So it was go-to for people, and because it's so mass mass game and casual that. There are a lot of people incoming to us, so I have seen numbers improving for other games as well. But this was too big of an increase. Uh, so both these games, Parchi Ludo went back to five million daily active users. Parchi Z went to ten million daily active users. Uh, deploying server was a nightmare at that, that time because every night you would know that you need three four new servers to be deployed today, tonight. So that was exciting times for us. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So uh, you continued with that team of thirty people by the time you were entering COVID. Right. 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 But then when COVID hit, the DAU increased so high. Uh, we knew that now we have to unlock it even further because the reach is lot more, lot more people playing, and and our learning was telling every time when you add more smart folks, you will unlock new things that you have not thought about. Um, so I'm. Like I'm grateful to the smartness of people and in Gameberry that they have unlocked a lot more things than what we could have done ourselves. So 
in 2020 we decided okay let's double the size of people keep building more so we went from 60 to 100 to 155 right now uh, and and that most of that in most of the people have come in covid post covid uh, era for us so uh, how do you uh, find gaming talent do you look at hiring from other game companies uh, i mean is there ready made talent or do you need to create talent very difficult there we have to create we had created talent uh, and we have spent a lot of time with our team members allowing them to make mistakes it has taken lot of time for us to build this team and i am really proud of the team that we have built so far very smart folks uh, like people who come back and tell me that i have made mistake all my design time that i have done with lodo and parchizi and they are right about it they have pointed out such integrities which i net never thought about uh and it it just fills my day that okay this is too much fun that even after 6 year of building this game i still don't understand the user so much well so uh, what do you hire for How, what do you look at when you are hiring it's a mix of things especially if i am looking at product managers i am looking at uh, two things i mean obviously they have they have, should be smart the other thing that i want to see is that they have certain intent towards building games uh which which makes it lot more easier for them to enjoy the whole process uh, of being here so in your interview you, you you talk a lot about what kind of games you like to play and like you go deep into right the assignments are also sometimes inclined towards making you play certain games and then checking back okay what you have learned from that game and things like that interesting and you hire people who are uh, what like engineer mba combos or like who have done coding and or what, like what is the profile you pretty much based on the role we prefer a little bit of an mba experience as well because that helps a lot in understanding it faster but we have folks which have who have not done mba as well and they are doing equally good so so no not necessarily true okay okay so you're at 150 now uh, and what revenue are you at now last this particular year uh, 2022 we have done around 39.5 million in total revenue okay amazing you're almost at the 50 million mark and with just these two games ludo and parcheesi right these two games have now been split into three pods one specifically focusing into ludo one focusing on parcheesi one focusing on a new product inside these two games uh what is that new product so what we have seen people in ludo and parcheesi they have an affinity towards talking to other folks a lot and which is because it's a social game so they they they're not just looking for game per se but they want to spend their time talking to someone and voice chat is the best way for these folks to do that now if you look at certain uh, economies some we had especially china voice chat based products have come out over there which monetizes in itself altogether really well where people talk to other folks and gift uh, gift each other certain things in the game just to slight bit of shows make them feel good about it which monetizes well uh, so if you look at tiktok also they have this reward system where uh, you can reward your content creator yeah i yeah, reward the creator ha huh, right 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 so even in these voice channels where 10 people are sitting together somebody a vip would come in and and would like to uh, reward people who are saying something great something interesting uh, and reward is basically something like a collection 
for them. Person who's getting that reward has a um, appreciation form where they can look back and see how many gifts they have gotten in the game and what is their reputation in their club's reputation, things like that. So that is a new product that we're building in these games. Uh, and it's very entirely with a very different mindset uh, where we want to make people to engage with them, each other and talk to each other. Uh, so that is why I separated it out a bit. So these three pods now is what Ludo Parthesi is all about. And it's altogether 110 people almost. Okay, I'm not able to relate with paying another player unless I'm dating or I'm looking to date. <laughs> That's a very interesting point. Uh, ideally, you would think that. But in the geographies that they play, so especially if I look at this product is very, very popular as a mechanism in Saudi Arabia, MENA region especially. Why do that? Why does that happen? Is because of the restriction in the culture that is present over there. So they generally want to talk to folks uh, and show off that they are VIPs. So these are two terms which are really important to them. They they want that importance when they come in. And as a pair, when you get that gratification, so let's say I give you a gift which is worth hundred dollars, and I've seen people gifting uh, the other folks hundred dollar worth gift. And this gift would be like the gems uh, or coins? Or... This, this gift would be just an image or a animation playing for that other person for a brief amount of time. So, so people like to tell everybody that, hey, I am here and I liked what you said or what you did. Uh, and it is not necessarily one-on-one. It is to a group sometimes. I've seen all the 10 folks are saying something very interesting. So the person would give to all the 10 people. And I've seen people doing mimicry, doing singing songs, just to entertain their audience. And they spend hours and hours, seven hours, eight hours in a group chat where they are just talking that they are cooking something at home. Uh, and and they're by the time, so they're cooking and on the side they're chatting or in the club itself, you can play Ludo as well. So... So there's a whole mix of things that is happening for you as an entertainment inside that. So and the person who is receiving the gift, uh, can they convert that into cash? No, they can't. And But they can convert, they get a portion of that gift in the form of that currency. Let's say I have gifted you uh, a gift called an island. I have gifted you a car, let's say. And the car costs me 500 hearts. Uh, so you'll get... 100 hearts as a conversion. So you are, you are getting hearts. And what? how does it help you is because then you can send gifts from your side in future. So that is how it translates between people. So you are exchanging currencies in a way. And you, uh, have you already piloted this uh, voice chat and gifting? Yeah, yeah, we have done that. We have done that. Okay, okay. So how much revenue does it make like compared to the other methods that Right now, it is, right now for us, it is doing very minuscule, uh, around fifteen hundred dollars a day, something like that. Uh, but then we won't, we know that this will go bigger from here. Okay, you think it will be bigger than the other methods because it's more intimate, more. Uh, it could, it could highly. Interesting. I used to think that a game studio is a bit like, say, a movie studio where you need to constantly create hits. Uh, with in in your case, you decided not to focus too much on creating more hits and just 
milk the existing hits better uh, so you know what is your take on that do you think that you will also need to create more hits or uh, you know help me understand that no yeah, absolutely when i said ludo purchase team is around 110 then rest of the 40 people are actually on new games uh, one of the game is called backgammon again a turkish uh, middle eastern uh, dice based board game which we are trying to build and again it's it's this game is showing really good retention at par with what ludan parchesi is showing then we have uh, again uh, a very special team that we have built this team has made a game called traitor labs uh, which was built when among us was famous uh, post that we thought uh, this category is going to open up so why not create a different kind of experience in the social deduction space i am not familiar with among us so what is this space what so so among us was very viral during covid times uh, it is if you have played mafia uh, with a group of people no, i have played that also no. okay uh, so mafia is a very popular game where there is one killer there will be a group of people 10 people playing together uh, and it's playing physically like you play in parties it's a party game so there will be a killer who will silently kill people every night and the group group will come go back and into a discussion to figure out who could be a potential killer and they will eliminate people one by one and the final winner if it's a killer then the killer community wins if it's a citizen uh, then the citizen wins what among us did was made it digitalize it really really well so you can see that there are you are moving in a lab or a spaceship uh where you are doing certain things and there is a imposter who is killing everybody and then you are group doing a group discussion who could be that imposter so because it was so suitable for covid it was immensely popular it had like 100 million downloads in a month time so when among us got popular we we thought there are a lot of small gaps because you had to get on a call meet call to do all these things okay 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 the voice chat was not in right right and then we knew how to build voice chat so we were very fast on it okay we will bring voice chat to it and create a different kind of experience so we brought brought in a zombie mode in it where there was a zombie he was running around making you zombie so you had to save and complete the task before the zombie eats you so that was one game that we built and it was really good in terms of what we have executed but difficult in terms of growing it so a one year time we took with that game we built that game uh, closed it in april 2021 uh, then started a game called merge uh, quickly realized that that space was uh, very crowded very expensive to grow what is that space merge so in in merge games you typically have a similar looking objects that you will merge together to create a higher level object and then there are uh, things that you are doing with those objects uh, so very simple mechanic but people like it a lot because you inherently you like to see patterns on a screen so that game feeds to that uh, psychology of yeah i, I think ads of this type of games like the, you have an army of one color and uh, if your army is bigger than the other then they convert to your color and, uh, okay right exactly that so so we built traitor then merge then uh, couple of failures along the way why did you shut down merge like merge was very expensive like the the market was there were a lot of big players coming into the space uh, uh, getting install from tier 1 countries was very expensive and it was we were we knew that it is not going to grow organically 
then after that this team this new games team is working on a game called word league uh which is a pvp word game one versus one word game real time and it has it is in a good stage right now but not really in a stage where i can say it's a success or a failure and then there is a game that we have released recently called match star 3d Uh, very simple you have to pick object from a bundle of lot of objects and in a specific amount of time so pretty fun i mean if if somebody wants to check out they can check out our match 3d star and this is also a social game or solo no no it's it's a solo game so this team is specifically looking at games which uh, not necessarily is social type that that we have at the other space and these uh, experiments uh, were they monetizing through in-app purchase or through uh, like advertising primarily we look after in-app purchases it still we have the same philosophy mostly uh, that at first we will think in-app first we would like to monetize through in-app purchases and if there is a scenario where it's not happening and an ads could be a solution to it then we would do that so it seems like you've changed your uh, approach towards marketing where initially you said you didn't want to spend money but it seems like you're now okay to spend money also for acquisition so what drove that change uh, frankly the reality is that now the biggest challenge for gaming industry is distribution uh, so you cannot be a studio without a marketing capability and you cannot reach 100 120 million 150 million mark if you are not good at marketing uh, so to scale from here you have to do it and you should understand to do it how to do it better and better than everybody else obviously so so that is why we have moved from a studio which did not believed in marketing to a studio which now spends a lot of money in marketing as well and want to get better at it okay 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 and uh, so uh, what are the ways in which you do marketing what works what does it work uh, what are the kind of return on ad spends that you see what is your average customer acquisition cost right i will start with probably how you can divide marketing probably uh, so the biggest piece is performance marketing in gaming uh, and when you say performance marketing it means very data oriented marketing where you know that you are spending a particular amount of time money and then that money will eventually get recouped over the period of time uh, so you have to get very good at measuring that understanding and predicting what will be the ltv curve of a user ltv curve is basically lifetime value of the user so if you look at a typical player of ludo or parchezi the player will stay for a really long time and if you see the purchase pattern of that player uh, you will see that till 18 month the pair is actually paying in the game and it keeps growing after 18 months this there is a decline in interest and that hits a saturation uh, so that means if you plan a bit around 12 months window uh, then you can spend money and recoup it over the period of time and you are pretty much on the positive side of things with a good margin of course and this sometimes we include ad revenue in it sometimes we don't include the ad revenue as well so that that's how we approach it we look at the ltv curve we look at okay what is the amount of uh, roas should get met at 30 days 60 days interval if they are meeting it then the campaigns are working well if they are not meeting it then should kill the campaign lot earlier things like that this these all these things come into performance marketing then organic marketing is basically your uh, 
yeah, so side of things where you are playing around with screenshots. One, one quick question on performance. Uh, so you're looking at the uh, LTV curve. You would also need to see the conversion of uh, gamers into paying gamers, right? Like non-paying gamers. No, but when we prepare this LTV curve, it is our typical DAU LTV curve. Okay, okay, okay. So it's averaging out that out of 100, uh, 50 are paying, but it's averaging it out and okay, got it. So, and you look at the campaign level. So if 100 people have installed, what has happened to those 100 people on an average? So that simplifies the whole equation for us. And what platforms do you use uh, for performance marketing? Google, Unity, Facebook, uh, TikTok, Snap. We, we try all these platforms to see where we can get better returns, things like that. What is Unity? I have not heard of Unity. So most of the games in the world are actually built on a engine called Unity. Uh, and because they have built an engine, they have a very simple integration of ads in them. So they are also potentially a good network for gamer games to acquire users because of that. Mm, okay. So Unity is essentially a Google AdWords for advertising within games. Right. Got it. Yeah. So that was the performance marketing piece. Uh, organic side, we we uh, divided into ASO where you want to optimize your play store listing. Yeah. Play around with languages, multiple languages. What do they want to search and things like that. Uh, you will see different logo, different screenshots in different countries. Uh, and there are a number of things that you can play, keep playing around with and which helps it slowly. To, to get additional 10% traffic. And that's your organic side of things. Uh, then you can do more influencer-based marketing where you are probably reaching out to gamers through gamers, uh, which also pretty much helps a lot of time. Like Twitch is a live streaming platform for gamers. So you would have people playing this game. Like a popular gamer who plays this on his Twitch account is in a way then going to drive downloads. Exactly. So that's, that's how we bucket it broadly. Is it only on Android that you're focusing or you also have iOS apps and what is the split? We have, we have. Actually, 50% of the revenue is coming from iOS for us. Yeah, because the paying propensity is higher for Apple users. Okay. Tell me about uh, how gaming monetization happens. Right. So if you look at the whole landscape of gaming, uh, there are only very similar looking tactics or mechanisms. Uh, that can be grouped into monetization methods. Uh, the first one I would say is where you want to speed up the content or get a blogged content. So take example of Candy Crush. So you are trying to cross a level. You are almost on the verge of crossing it, but you don't have enough moves. So now this is, you'd want to cross that level. You are trying to speed up that content. So you would like to get extra moves and you would like to pay for it. And people like that because some levels are very difficult in nature. So sometimes only occasionally you will land up to a level where you are very close to close, come, coming close to it. So you would like to pay for it because you don't want to replay that level again. Then you will see some games like Clash of Clans or um, Heyday for that matter where uh, you are growing a crop, but the crop takes an hour to grow. Uh, but you can pay for it just to speed it up. Uh, now, why these monetization models work really well? And these are the top type of model monetization model because they are not competing against anybody else. You are competing against yourself and they sync very fast. Sync very fast means you, for an hour, once you have used it, you are seeing a very huge gratification 
that my one hour has gotten reduced to a zero second and your currency has just got and gone out in an instant. Uh, it's not a slow process. So this is the first category where you speed up content and get access to more content very fast. Second is a leverage category where you are up with somebody else and you want an advantage over the other player. Very simple example could be Ludo. Ludo because an extra dice roll is a slight advantage to the other player. And when there is an advantage like this, you are doing this because you want to be the winner. So again, it's a sync, but it's a slow sync in Ludo because, because it will take 40 minutes to close a game. You will buy certain gems, but it will slowly get decayed from your wallet. So it will not monetize so great. Uh, but it's a fair bit of monetization that happens. Then the third is cosmetic, which is skin. You would like to buy avatars. You would like to buy dices in our games for that matter. So we have very interesting concepts of dices. So you would like to buy those skins. In a shooter game, you would like to buy a gun which is looking uh, very fascinating and you want to show off to other players who are watching you. Things like that. So uh, so I think these are the top three monetization models that work. Other than that, ad monetization is always there. But this is primarily IAP-based monetization that works really well. Okay, so you've not done anything on the speed up side or, or there's Match3D is uh, using that? Match3D is on the speed up content side where you'll have a lot of levels in it. You'll cross those levels, things like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the third type you spoke about of uh, skins of stars, this is when this whole NFT gaming space is in. Like you now there are gaming companies which are saying that if you buy a skin, it's an NFT for you, which you can then sell and you can make some trading profit on it and things like that. Exactly. So this is a category you're not exploring so far. Is it on the roadmap to like this? Not right now. I'm pretty much focused towards Lodo Purchase and the social board game side and trying to figure out new new games. Uh, I mean, maybe two years down the line, three years down the line, may, maybe we can explore. Okay, interesting. And uh, help you understand the gaming industry. Like, you know, what are the kind of players in it? Uh... So broadly, if you look at gaming industry, you will see PC console games, which are very, very hardcore uh, shooters and more detail-oriented, more graphically AAA uh, with the depth in it and a narrative in it. Those are the PC console games. Then comes mobile. So this like uh, Epic Games uh, would be this PC console game maker which Microsoft is uh, trying to acquire. Look at Fortnite, like the depth of immersion is very, very high. So that's the hardcore games. Then comes mobile, which is slightly casual on the sides, uh, where the immersion is not so deep as casual. Uh, and in mobile, you can divide it into free-to-play gaming and then real money gaming. And a lot of time, people especially confuse real money gaming with gaming. But internally, if you ask a free-to-play game gaming company, they will say that's not really a gaming company. Uh, they are building an ecosystem around games. They are not building games as such. Uh, so free-to-play gaming is what we do. And in India, there are companies like Moonfrog, Play Simple. Uh, uh, GSN games, which have been acquired by Scopely now, uh, Zynga, these these are the top players along with us uh, in free-to-play space. Hmm, hmm, okay. Uh, why why is uh, real money gaming uh, getting so much funding? Like these real money gaming companies are becoming unicorns and so on. Yeah, we are in terms of money. There is 
there is definitely a lot of opportunity to make revenue from from the real money space uh if you look at ludo space also if it gets legalized in terms of uh, betting probably it will also have a very good uh, billion dollar market for sure uh, uh, so rummy has been a, a very huge market in real money um and it has proved again and again that it's a very healthy business as such in terms of business metrics so and a very predictable business so in if you look at free to play problem is predictability where it's a creative process as a vc you cannot predict that this will be a successful team or not but in real money you can still predict okay if the team looks smart the space is visible you can make a mark over there okay you said that betting is allowed in ludo so is there a regulation that betting is not allowed in some games betting is only allowed in games which are game of skill not a game of chance and ludo falls in a gray area where it has skill attached to it as well as chances attached to it so according to indian law it is not very clear whether it's a game of skill or complete game of chance it's somewhere in between and yet that is why even rummy has the same gray area no no rummy is pretty much defined and proven that it's a game of skill and i think cricket is the other space which companies are using for real money gaming right right yes again that is fa- fantasy side of things where again they the uh, the skill side of thing has been explored over it mm. but uh, i guess real money games are not uh, allowed on play store right like uh, you can't list them recently play store have started uh, experimenting with real money games as well if you look at uh, dream 11 is now on the top 3 4 downloads downloaded games in play store so they are doing an experiment i think either it's an experiment or it is completely out there that i'm not very updated with mm-hmm. okay okay what do you see as uh, your future now uh, i think you know like like movie studios uh, eventually that consolidation happens you either acquire or you get acquired uh, and because there is so much value of that finding that hit and so either you find hits and then someone acquires you because you found a hit or you have money enough to acquire companies which have found a hit and then scale it up uh, what do you think is right so i i, I don't think we are in in the stage right now where we can acquire studios uh but we are not also not looking out for an exit right now uh we're pretty happy with what we have built so far want to do it more want to build more games and there are ways like what we are doing with backgammon we feel we can crack certain formulas where we can predict whether a game will be successful or not and and that is where we are striving as a studio to become that okay can we create a system and ecosystem our understanding which can become an advantage to a studio to to jump into a category and say ki nahi boss hum log jab banayenge to hamara to hit hoga hi hoga the fun is in acquiring studio and when we will do that that is the real achievement that we will do um, and and that is that is what uh, in the long run is what we aspire to to do and that brings us to the end of this conversation i want to ask you for a favor now Did you like listening to this show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad@thepodium.in. That's ad@thepodium.in. At 